I couldn't get nearly as much done as I need to do if I wasn't direct into yeah. the point with people. Yeah. Not to be rude, but just to be honest, no. if you ask a question, I'm assuming you want the truth. Welcome to The Irresistible Factor, the podcast for brands in the health and wellness space who want to be irresistible, not only to consumers, but to investors and retailers. Here we talk to successful entrepreneurs about the inspiring stories that help them start and grow their awesome brands. And we also talk to investors, leaders in private equity, and retail buyers about what makes brands irresistible to them. Hi, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of The Irresistible Factor. Today, I'm speaking with John McDonald, who is an entrepreneur and investor in the beverage space. And we're going to be talking about one of the brands that he is invested in, and that's called Ghost Tequila. And I'm thrilled to hear him kind of talk about how this brand launched and where they are now and where they're headed. And so welcome, John. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So do you want to just give us a little bit of background, how you got involved with this specific brand and talk a little bit about the interesting name and where it came from? Sure. There's um, about four years ago, two gentlemen that are based in Boston, where I am based also, approached me to help them with this brand called Ghost Tequila. And so I listened to their story and they pitched me that one out of every eight drinks made in America today is spicy. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, okay, let me give it some thought. So I took the bottle and immediately I went bar to bar to bar in Boston's Little Italy, also known as the North End, and asked all my bartender friends, would you use this product? Mm-hmm. And they said, oh my God, this would save me so much time and effort because when somebody comes up to the bar and orders a spicy drink, the bartender has to stop everything they're doing, go find jalapeno peppers, muddle them you know, into the drink. And then somebody shows up behind that person that just ordered the spicy drink and orders a Manhattan. Now the bartender has to stop everything he's doing again or she and wash all the utensils mm-hmm. so the spicy doesn't get on the drink. So after that back of the envelope investigation with bartenders, I said, <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm, I'm in. And it really serves two purposes. One, it saves the bartender a lot of time. And two, the consumer gets a consistent drink because it's, they're using this, this ghost tequila. And the peppers from uh, the eastern part of India, ghost pepper. Oh, okay. So it's okay. named after the ghost pepper. Yes. Ah. And- Interesting. Okay. And we've done some variations on the packaging. It's evolved since we've introduced the brand. And when did the brand launch? I'd say about four years ago, you know, soft launch in Boston. Then we opened up a few states. The most important thing when you introduce a beverage alcohol brand is just go to a limited number of markets. Mm -hmm. You want to go deeper versus broader because you want to make sure you have the resources behind the brand to make it successful. And, you know, too many entrepreneurs in the beverage space think they want to be in all 50 states in the first year and they go under. I'd say that that extends to other categories as well. I've seen that happen a lot. Yeah. Overextending or over, over innovating um, before they're really established. So that's an interesting piece of advice. And I think a really good one. I'm curious about, a couple of things. So when you say you, you need to have the resources, make sure you have the resources to make it successful. What does that mean for you? 
but that means money to be able to support the brand through advertising and promotion. And second, and probably more importantly, is to have feet on the street. To give you a quick tutorial on the beverage alcohol industry, mm -hmm. there's very few liquor distributors in each state. And you can imagine how many SKUs they have of liquor, wine, and beer, and waters, so on and so forth. So to get their time and attention is next to impossible with the new product. So what has to happen is your people create the demand and then the salespeople get interested in selling your product. And, um, you know, they have to set up the tastings and the samplings. Mm -hmm. there's, there's 33 open states and 17 controlled states. And controlled states means like the state of Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, where the state controls, i.e. Pennsylvania, which you border. Yes. So you go and you get the brand in a control state. And the, the way to make a move is you set up demonstrations in the stores to hopefully get the traction to meet the minimum thresholds that those state stores expect you to sell. Mm -hmm. And yeah. how did you guys do during COVID with that without being able to do the tastings and stuff? I have to tell you that you hear, heard a lot of horror stories during COVID. We excelled during COVID because people went to drinks at home, as you all mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. and when they wanted to make a spicy drink, Ghost was the easiest product to take off the shelf. Yeah. So we pivoted quickly. It's difficult to go bar to bar to bar to build a brand. Oh, you know, sure. the, the volume comes from the, the liquor stores. So we when we pivoted, uh, we did very well. But also, I want to mention that one of the things that Ghost did was, and I learned this in the mid-90s when I was working for a company called Seagram Liquor Company, in times of crisis, you don't pull back all your marketing and advertising support. You should do the opposite. And the gentleman that I worked for, he was the former president of Coca-Cola International. His name was John Hunter. And I was running Taiwan at the time for Seagram. And he had just started from Coke to Seagram. And he decided his first visit was to come to Taiwan. You know, the timing obviously wasn't good. And, but I had no choice. And this gentleman, we were in the... Asia meltdown crisis in 97, 98. And he said, how are you going to make your profit plan? And I said, well, I'm going to slash the advertising and promotion budget. And then he went up one side of me and down the other and told me that, <laughs> no, you're not going to do that. You know, companies, when there's crisis, they do the opposite. So when everybody was running right, we ran left. Mm -hmm. So we bought up a bunch of billboards, magazine covers, and when we came out of the crisis, the company just exploded. And I used that rationale in 08, 09, when I was running Patron Tequila Company. And there was another crisis in Diageo, Pernod, and all the big liquor companies in Heineken slashed their, their billboards and magazines. And I had our people buy up all the key billboards on the major expressways in all the back covers of the key magazines, because don't forget, digital still really wasn't yeah. happening the then. Yeah, yeah. And there was no digital in the 90s. So Patron took off when we came out of the crisis. And we're talking, you know, 40 and $50 bottles of tequila. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm telling you all this because my friend called me up in the middle of 
when COVID started, he works for Clear Channel Communications, the billboard company, and they, you know, they're part of iHeartRadio. Yes. And he said, my boss needs me to sell some of these billboards because the, all our people are just sitting home doing nothing. So I'll sell you, not the expressway billboards, now more the billboards, paper billboards in the neighborhood. He said, I'll sell you all these billboards for $150 each installed. Wow. You have to put a COVID message on it. So our COVID message was to support the bartender community. So we put up ghost billboards all over Boston, Dallas, and Houston, and the brand just took off. Amazing. And yeah, because nobody nobody was paying for advertising. So that such coupled with... Sorry? Yeah. It's such a good piece of advice because I think that everybody put the brakes on and the people who didn't put the brakes on really saw the, the benefit of that in the end. Oh, yeah, and it, it helps that we're a private privately owned company and not beholden to shareholders like a lot of these big boys. Yep, yep, yep. So it's um it's been a fun run. So what's next for this brand? Where what what will you go beyond spicy or will it always be spicy because that's the foundation of it? It's a very good question. And the answer to that question is we do one thing very well and that's making a spicy silver tequila and that's what we're going to focus on. Mm -hmm. We don't want to take our eye off the prize. You know, too many times people want to expand to different flavors. Yeah. And, you know, liquor stores and bars, I mean, with all due respect, how many different types of flavored vodka can you drink? I mean, mm -hmm. there's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the larger players started introducing cupcake vodka. Mm -hmm. and, you know, that's, that's, you shouldn't be doing that. Because then you, <laughs> you're like advertising to underage. No, well, that's true. And yeah, aside from that, it's gross, but yes, that's also true. Yeah. So we're just going to keep, we've, what we have done just in the last two months is we've introduced a 1.75 liter in a 50 ml, the NIPS. Mm -hmm. So that'll generate some trial on the counters and stores. And in Boston, there's been demand for the 1.75 liter. So that'll help us expand our presence on the shelf. Because, you know, I'm sure... If you go into a, a liquor store, it doesn't matter what state, it, it's like overwhelming when you look at the different categories. And if you're not familiar with the industry or the products, how do you know which one to, to yeah. buy? Yeah. So how are you handling getting the word out and, and having people understand what the story behind this brand is and what the benefits are and stuff? So first and foremost, we do a lot of sales meetings at the distributor, distributors, warehouses, and then mm -hmm. we, we have marketing, we're doing a lot of social media campaign, talking about the features and the benefits. Yeah. And then we're gonna look at putting out an RFP for a new advertising agency. The best day, when you hire an, an advertising agency, the best day is the first day and then it's downhill from <laughs> I love that because I would say the best as an advertising agency person, I would say the best thing about the best day with a new client is the first day with a new client. Also, I would say the same exact thing because the, it's a honeymoon. It's just like getting right. married, like you court and you court and you get the, all this excitement builds up and then you, then you come together and then, then you're married and then you have to deal with all the problems of being married. And so I hear you loud and clear. And I think that's hilarious and so true. Yeah. So, but it's, um, but you can't, you need advertising people. I mean, they're so critical to the, 
the success of the brand. The other thing we're doing is we've bought a picture that's you can see through and we put the ghost bottle in the picture so that when you take home this value added packaging, you just can make your drink in that picture and it has a spout. So it has, you know, multi-use for the consumer. So that's another way to encourage them to trial ghost tequila. That's a great idea. Unfortunately, costly as well. It must be. It must be. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm sure. So does the picture, is it branded? Yes. Yeah. So awesome. Because it reminds you, um, you know, there's a brand I have that is, oh, it's St. Germain. And so they have a picture that I got with a mm-hmm. bottle and it reminds me all the time. Like I wouldn't put anything else really in that picture. So interesting. That's a really good idea. Yeah. I love it. They're smart. Yeah. So tell me what's next then from a growth perspective, where, how many States are you in now and where do you want to be by, you know, 2022, 23? We're in about 10 States now. Okay. We're going to open probably another one or two this calendar year. And then next year we'll open up about five more states. For those that aren't familiar with tequila, 10 states in the United States account for 55% of the tequila business. So, you know, we want to be in those 10 states. And then we've been fortunate again in the last few months, the second largest liquor distributor in the United States is called Republic. Mm -hmm. And they've agreed to take us for all 33 of their states. Wow. So, you know, we've got a lot of runway ahead of us. We're not going to go to all 33, as I explained earlier. Yeah. But we're going to be pick and choose which ones are the best. And then we just received our first order for Australia and Guam. Oh, amazing. Yes. Congratulations. Um, Will you raise capital? Are you guys all set? Or like, do you have a plan for that? Is that going to be a need in the in the near term or long term? Christy, this was going so well. So, <laughs> <laughs> you never stop raising money. Never. It's, it's so it's so hard. I mean, the people that you spend hours with never write the check. The people you talk to for fifteen minutes write the check. The yeah. people that put in the least amount of money cause you the most problems. And it's, we're just, they're just about to close. What was it? $4 million raise mm-hmm. and the post valuation will be 17 million. And then at the last quarter of this year, they're going to go to a series B and raise 5 million. And uh, they're thinking about, is that going to be to a, a major player or, yeah. or the yeah. family office or just stick with family and friends? It's all been family and friends to date. Yeah. Yeah. But it's um, the CEO spends the majority of his time on production and raising money. Yes, yes, I'm sure that's true. And I'm sure that's difficult, especially, I mean, I think during COVID, it was really tough. So um, hopefully things will get looser on that end. Well, the good news is we're up 101% through April this year versus last year, which is very encouraging. And a lot of that, I have to give credit to the... um, chief commercial officer. He used to work with me at Patron. Then he went to another brand and then we poached him from another tequila brand to run Ghost. And he has the knowledge and the skill sets and he's building the team to get us to the next level. So how big is your team right now? I would say all in, we have about 12 people. Okay. Mostly in the states where we're selling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
and they're all experienced spirits people. You know, when you hire someone from the industry, you're buying access and their connections. You know, if you ask me to go sell wine, it'd be like learning a foreign language. I wouldn't yep. know where to start. Yeah. So spirits are very different than beer and wine. Yeah. It's all who you know. It's a very tight knit industry. And uh, the people I started with are now, you know, running the distributorships. Yeah. Yeah. So that's probably really useful from connection standpoint. Oh, it's key. Yeah. Interesting. It's still a kind of old school industry, right? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. We're yeah. behind the curve. Well, I think retail to some degree is also, it's still kind of old school. And there are a lot of industries that aren't like that anymore, but there are a couple that still are really tough. I mean, from my perspective, there's part of that that's great because you have connections and you can use them and you've built relationships and they mean something. And then in the industries where that isn't the case anymore, it's like, it's like a circus in some ways, you know, trying to figure out what's going on and how to, I mean, having connections and a clear path, there's something really nice about that. Oh yeah, if you don't have a phone number and a name to call in this industry, you're you might as well not even start. I mean, Wild. Uh, probably only one out of two or three hundred brands even has a chance of succeeding. Yeah. In, in our industry. Yeah. Um, and do you think that's because there are just so many brands, or like, is there another reason for that? There's multiple reasons for that. One, people just show up and think that they know it all. Mm -hmm. My most difficult conversations are as follows. Oh, I have a great idea and I want to launch a brand. So somebody will say, well, talk to John McDonald. He'll give you his point of view. And I meet nine and a half out of 10 people. I say, please don't do this. Wow. And then the people get mad. Uh, and then I say, well, let me ask you a question. How much money do you have? to put behind this brand. They'll say $3 million. I say, okay, here's the deal. You give me a million, you keep a million, and then donate a million, and you'll be ahead of the game. <laughs> the money's gonna That's be horrible. Gone. Yeah. And That's awful. Yeah, so I, I like to think that I've saved a lot of people, a lot of money in aggravation by not entering the industry. But you know, some people just plow ahead. The other thing is, if you don't have enough capital, like in any industry, you're not going to be successful. Mm -hmm. And what's your unique selling proposition? Mm -hmm. We have a unique selling proposition. Yeah. And um, we have a brand, we got a great name, we got a great package. And most importantly, we have great juice. Um, I've never heard anybody in this industry say, oh, my product doesn't taste great. Everybody thinks their products taste great, but you know, most of them don't. And a lot of times you can hide the taste by mixing it with juices or something. Yeah. So um, if you can't drink a spirit, you know, on the rocks or neat without, you know, making a funny face, then mm -hmm. it doesn't taste good. And there's a lot of those products out there. Oh, definitely, definitely. Uh, during COVID though, the, the fastest growing category has been tequila. It's exploded. What do you attribute that to? Anything specific? I think that, Yes, the answer is because people like The Rock have launched their own tequila. Mm -hmm. and, um, yeah. You know, LeBron's in, uh, involved in tequila. One of the Kardashian young ladies just launched a tequila. So everybody wants to be in the tequila space. Mm -hmm. So, you know, more and more people are experimenting with it. 
it's only the category only represents seven percent of all liquor sales. Oh, interesting. Yeah, vodka is the largest at thirty-five percent. One out of every three drinks is made with vodka. Well, that makes sense because it doesn't taste like anything for the most part. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, and I think tequila is interesting because there's been a lot more interest in drinking tequila as a drink versus mixing it and disguising it. That's correct. Yeah. So that seems like that, that, and, and that also demands better tequila when that, right? Because you can't have bad tequila and do that. No, you, you, there's absolutely no way. No, right. I won't mention the bad ones. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's not what this is about. Um, do you have any other, I mean, I think this is awesome and you gave so many good and I think really straightforward, like here's the way it is, which I love. You're just telling it like it is. Either do it the right way or don't don't waste your time and money, um, which I think sometimes people need to hear because it's hard to know. It's honest to God. I couldn't get nearly as much done as I need to do if I wasn't direct into yeah. the point with people. Yeah. Not to be rude, but just to be honest, no. if you ask a question, I'm assuming you want the truth. <laughs> But some people can't, you know, as they say, can't handle the truth. No, and I think you get so excited and then you, 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 even if you can handle it at some point, initially when you first hear it, sometimes it's just hard, right? You just right. don't want, you just don't want to. So you get mad at the, the messenger instead of the, the actual message. This is true. Yeah. Um, do you have any other advice for people who are thinking about launching a brand or, I mean, you already gave such great advice, but is there anything else you'd say? Find people from the industry okay and when you find people from the industry don't hire them immediately call 20 people that knows that person and find out if they're worth anything because there's a lot of phonies in this industry yeah look they look good in a suit yeah and they can't get out of their own way (laughs) it's very challenging to find someone who can be strategic about launching a brand but also have the skill set to execute that strategy yeah. Some of the owners of the NBA basketball teams have gotten together to launch a brand and they've hired the worst possible team I could imagine. And they didn't check anybody out because if they did, they wouldn't have hired. Them. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's worth taking a deep breath and making sure you have the right team around you. Yeah. Also really good advice, because I think you get excited by people and you forget that. I mean, it's easy to to fake it for a little bit, but then when you're really in the trenches, you can't fake it anymore. Yeah, and the, 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 I'll share a, another quick story. A lot of times entrepreneurs, when they start to taste success, they forget what got them there. Yeah. So, you know, I, I'm an investor in another brand called Whistle Pig Rye. Oh, I know that the, brand too. Yeah, yeah, the guy that started it, it was, it was a great idea. And then this person got bigger than, the role and he started pretending he didn't need anybody around him or advice and ultimately we had to go to court and then he ultimately was removed from his job yeah you know, yeah yeah you know, that like in uber or we yeah yeah so you don't if don't let the ceo think they're you know the top dog all the time they yeah need people around them yes for sure Awesome. Okay. Well, gosh, this has been so great and informative and I really appreciate you reaching out and taking the time.